podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Two Footed Podcast on Tuesday, October the 13th. We are brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so do check out their services at libertyshield.com. In these times where people are relying on IPTV and the Premier League and UEFA are both getting blocks put in place with the internet providers, a VPN can solve your problems. Use my code EPLVPN to get 20% off with Liberty Shield. And it is it is in the vein of blocks and TV providers doing things that we start today's show. Um, last week, the Premier League announced that they're going to be putting the non-televised televised games on a pay-per-view system. And uh, these games are going to cost £15 per game. So this got me thinking about the greed that's involved in this action. And as more information came out about this, it became clear that the people driving this decision were actually the providers, rather than the Premier League or the clubs themselves, it's actually Sky and BT that are driving this and that they are the ones setting the price. And it got me thinking, like, how much is too much? How much can they really expect the normal person to pay for football that they're not attending? So, um, Neil Devlin, friend of mine, um, put up the numbers on social media that he spends on his TV package, basically, for the year. So he spends £34. Now, this is, this is in sterling. £34 a month on Now TV, which is 408 quid a year. He spends 25 quid a month on BT Sports, so that's 300 quid a year. And his TV license is £157. So all told, Neil is spending £866 per year, largely just to watch the football. In Ireland, if you say don't have now TV, but yet you have like a full on sky package and I'm on the sky website right now, the normal sky package, which is your, your basic sky package plus Netflix is 42 quid a month. At the moment, they're giving a discount so you can get it for 30 quid a month for the first 12 months, but that doesn't include the sports package. So how much is it? You roll down and the normal sports package, which gives you eight dedicated Sky Sports channels, including Premier League, football, F1, cricket and golf, is £40 a month. So if you're not getting any discounts, you're now at 82 quid a month. And then there's something called Sports Extra, which is where you can get BT Sport and Premier Sports. Uh, and that's 34 quid a month. That's 116 quid a month. 
you don't get any movies with that or anything like that. And let's say you live with somebody else and they don't want to watch the football all the time. You've got to get yourself a multi-screen. That's another 19 quid a month. It's 135 quid a month. Like, that's an obscene amount of money to be paying to watch football. It really is. But let's just say you're Neil and you live in the UK and you've got Now TV. He lives in Northern Ireland. Um, but let's say you have his package, Now TV, BT, and obviously your TV license, which you have to have. Can't get away with not having him. You know, pay your TV license. Um, all things considered, 866 quid a month, a quid a year. Let's say Liverpool are on pay-per-view five times. That's another 75 quid. That pushes Neil well over £900 for the year. For television. Not to go to the game. For television. Now, there are some clubs, Crystal Palace and others, that actually went ahead and charged their supporters for their season tickets. For games they're not allowed to go to. And then they want them to pay an extra bit of money for that. So let's say on average, a home ticket for Crystal Palace in your season ticket package is 25 quid, 30 quid. And then you've got to add 15 on top. Like it just, it's nonsensical. And it is going to drive people away from these big providers. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There are hundreds of thousands of people out of work in the UK because of the pandemic. And with the latest lockdown announcements, there's going to be even more. It doesn't make any sense to me that they can justify charging 15 quid a month for game, or 15 quid per game to put games on, on pay-per-view. And the thing is, it's not like you know, normally the likes of Liverpool, United, Arsenal, Chelsea, the big clubs, the, the most popular clubs, are on television all the time. You know, City, Spurs, they're the clubs on television all the time. But yet now some of their games that without question would have been on television are getting stuck behind this pay-per-view wall because they're the ones that will bring in the numbers. Because with the greatest respect, if Burnley and Brighton are on, on pay-per-view, they're not going to do the numbers. If Liverpool, United, City, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, if they're on pay-per-view, you watch those pay-per-view sales go up. Through the roof. A good friend of mine texted me the other day. Said he'd just gotten in. Sky TV in his house for his dad. Just got in the Sky Sports package so his dad could watch the games. And then a couple of days later, they announced this. It's not fair. It's mistreatment of your audience. You're robbing money from the people that keep your lights on. Remember that the Premier League is the way it is because of the TV revenue. The TV revenue can be what it is because of how much these providers are charging the normal person for a subscription. Sky and BT can afford to, to spend billions 
on TV rights for the Premier League because they're raking in so much money by extortionately charging you, the listener, you, the viewer, ridiculous amounts of money. If you live in Australia, on the very other side of the world, you pay 15 quid a month for your add-on for Optus, for the sports channels, you get every game. If you live in America, you've got NBC, maybe you've got a Peacock subscription, you can get every game. If you live in England, where the games are from, where the league is from, is based, you got to pay 15 quid extra to watch your team play on top of your subscription and in a lot of cases on top of your season ticket that you've already paid for. Now, some clubs might do a rebate and they might say, okay, you paid 25 quid for this game. This game is going to be on, on pay-per-view. We'll give you a 15 quid rebate. So we'll keep a tenner. And then you can spend that other 15 quid wherever you want, you know, on, on your pay-per-view. Now, I'm not here to shill for Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield are very gracious. And they don't ask me to push their products too much. But I have to say, get yourself an IPTV or a Fire Stick or a Dodgy Box or whatever you want and get a VPN. Because that's unacceptable to charge that type of money to watch football games that you're not attending. And nobody minds spending a grand, two grand when they're actually going to the games. Where you're actually getting so much out of it. But charging people that much to sit at home? Absolute shambles. Um, this was followed up in what seemed to be yet another power grab, cash grab, you know, greed-driven move by the announcement of Project Big Pi- Big Picture or the proposal for Project Big Picture. And initially, there was a whole lot of pushback against this idea. Initially, there was outrage. People wanted to focus in on one thing, one part of it, and sort of ignored all the rest of it. So what I want to do now is I want to go through each part of it and see where we fall. So the first thing is the COVID-19 Financial Rescue Fund. So the proposal is a $250 million prepayment to the EFL, the English Football League, Championship League 1, League 2, to cover lost revenues for the 1920 season and the 2021 season. On top of that, a $100 million payment to the FA, of which $25 million will go to the National League clubs, $10 million will go to grassroots, 10 million will go to the women's professional game and the rest will be for the FA itself. So say 55 million to the FA. The Premier League would borrow this money and make it available as soon as the plan is approved. Now, the first thing I would say is I think the women's game should get more. I think grassroots should get more. I think the FA should get a little bit less. That's just me. But all in all, 
everybody wins in this scenario. The EFL get the bailout they need, especially League One and League Two. I don't have a whole bunch of sympathy for a lot of championship clubs because they're just spending outside of their means in an attempt to get themselves into the Premier League. I do have a lot of sympathy for League One and League Two clubs who rely heavily on match day revenue just to stay afloat. And even at that, most of them operate at a loss every year. There's very few of them that actually make profit over the year or even break even. The vast majority of those clubs do lose money each year. But they provide an incredible service to their community. They provide entertainment. They provide jobs. So I'm absolutely all in favor of full support for League One and League Two. Championship, I think, needs slight changing. We'll get to that. There's no losers here. Maybe companies that act as administrators who, you know, like to come in when a club is right at the bottom financially and then milk more money out of them. But all in all, everybody wins in this situation. The next part of it then is a change to the league structure. So beginning in the 22-23 season, the football pyramid would change ever so slightly. So right now we have 92 clubs. 20 in the Premier League, 24 in the Championship, 24 in League 1 and 24 in League 2. This alternate, you know, suggestion would change things to 18 in the Premier League, 24 in the Championship, 24 in League 1 and 24 in League 2. So what that would mean is that two teams in the Football League would lose their place through no fault of their own. Now, the shift to an 18-team Premier League, thats that would bring the Premier League in line with the Bundesliga. It would mean six less games per season. And if you thought that was to give the players more rest so that the quality of the football could become better, uh, you're mistaken. You're also mistaken if you think this will mean a lowering of season ticket prices and um, Sky subscriptions and all that. None of that will change. That will all stay the same. The Premier League will charge the same. BT will pay this. Will charge the same. Sky will charge the same. Everybody's charging the same. It's just going to mean less games. But the thing is, it's not going to mean more rest for the players because what they're actually looking to do is expand the European competitions Champions League, Europa League and this new Europa Conference that's going to come in. It's also going to create more gaps in the season for lucrative friendly matches so that Liverpool can fly to North America and play a couple of friendlies, and then maybe fly to Asia and play a couple of friendlies. But then the season starts that bit later, so it's fine. They don't need to be back as early. Same for United, same for Arsenal, etc., etc. I I don't really agree with this idea. I don't think this is good for the game. I really don't like the idea of two football league clubs losing their spot in the football league purely 
so that the Premier League clubs can rake in more money in term, from playing friendly matches. I, I hate friendly matches. I think they're absolutely pointless. Fitness-wise, yeah, fine. I don't, I'd rather see them have played behind closed, closed doors. I don't want to see them. I don't want to have to consider them or anything like that. They're just a money grab. That's all they are. These tours that we see the top clubs go on to America. And look, it's nothing against the American audience because I, I 100% think that the American audience, the Asian audience, the Australian audience, they deserve to see their club play. I have no problem with that. But do it in the same time scale that we do it now. All you're doing is creating an extra couple of weeks so that rather than doing one tour, you can probably do two. That's all it really is. But the losers in this regard will be the EFL because two clubs will drop out and then it's just going to condense everything even more in terms of the Championship League 1 and League 2. I wouldn't be in favour of, of this change to the league structure. Now, what I am in favour of is the next one, which is promotion and relegation. There'd be no change to the current format for re- promotion and relegation between the Championship, League 1 and League 2. But only two teams would be automatically relegated from the Premier League, with the third bottom team joining the playoffs from the Championship. So the first and second place Championship team would come up automatically. Second, third, sorry, third, fourth and fifth would go into the playoff along with the, in their proposal, 16th place Premier League team. Now, for me, I would want it to be the 18th place because I still want the 20 teams, but the 18th place Premier League team. So those four would make up the playoffs and the team that finishes sixth in the championship, well, tough luck, better luck next year. I know that's a little bit harsh, but for me, I am actually in favour of that because I do think we need to make it a little bit harder to come up. I think we need to be more aware of the standard and clubs need to be more aware of the standard that's required in the Premier League. And that might seem elitist or snobbish, but that's just how I feel about it. I think it's a little bit better. I think you see that in other leagues. They do it in, in Germany. They do it in, I think, Spain. I think they do it in Italy as well. Um, it's definitely in, in a couple of other countries. And I think it's a good idea. I think it gives Premier League clubs that second chance. I think it would create a lot more drama, a lot more excitement. So I'm all in favor of that one. Uh, The Community Shield will be scrapped. I've talked about this before. And I think the best way to to do it is to go to an all-star game, north versus south. Each year, you just split the country in half. There's obviously a bunch of clubs in the Midlands. So you just basically pick the, the two lower clubs or the, or the lower club in the Midlands for the South and, and the upper clubs for the, the North, if, if that's what the balance is. Um, I really do think that that's what we should do with the Community Shield, is turn it into an all-star game. I don't like the idea of it being completely abolished and there being no game, because that's an important game. It is an important game for, for charitable reasons. I know the Premier League probably give the money anyway, but still. I think we should turn that into an all-star game. Um, the League Cup being scrapped, I'm not in favor of. And the idea here is that the Premier League clubs would pull out of it uh, and it would just be the you know, Championship League 1 and League 2 teams. I wouldn't agree with that at all. 
I really wouldn't like the idea of that. I think if the if the teams in Europe want to pull out of it, that's fine. So if there's seven or eight Premier League teams in European competitions and they want to pull out of it, I think that's absolutely fine. I think that would actually make it more enjoyable because then you'd get, you know, the likes of Brighton and Burnley and Southampton and West Ham and West Brom, these Leeds and Sheffield United, these clubs would have a real chance of winning the competition and they might take it a bit more seriously then. And if there's still a European place up for grabs for it, I think that's a much better idea. Championship clubs love having Premier League clubs drawn against them in that, especially if they get that home draw and they can get a bit of a crowd in. So I'm very much in favour of the Community Shield as it stands being abolished and an all-star game being put in for charitable purposes. So I think that could be a lot of fun. And the thing is, you can make it a full weekend. You don't have to take it all that seriously either. So it's not like a thing that players need to turn up and go 100 miles an hour. Players can just turn up and have fun. You know, we could bring the game back a little bit. Make it more of a spectacle. Make it fun. Who hasn't wanted to see what it would be like for Kevin De Bruyne to play slide drill passes to Mo Salah or Sadio Mane? Who hasn't wanted to see that? Who hasn't wondered what it would be like if Paul Pogba played with Kevin De Bruyne or if Aubameyang played with Kai Havertz or N'Golo Kante and and these different connotations. What what would Harry Kane and Aubameyang look like as a front two? We'd get to see it. Yeah, it wouldn't mean anything, but we'd get to see it. It could be fun. In terms of the League Cup, again, don't scrap it, but yeah, if... the clubs in Europe don't want to play in it. That's fine. They don't have to play in it. Um, Premier League distribution is the next one. The total amount the Premier League will distribute to its 18 clubs will fall from 92% of, uh, the, of the rights to 75%, with a big change coming to the distribution formula. Instead of the sponsorship income and half of the domestic and international media rights being divided evenly, with the rest according to the number of times each club is picked for broadcast in the UK and merit payments relating to the league finish, the whole pot will now be shared on a 50-25-25 basis. Half will be shared equally, 25 would be uh, for the current season merit payments, and 25 would be for a club's three-year aggregate position. So this would encourage clubs to always be improving. It won't encourage stagnation. It won't encourage settling. It will encourage clubs to go out and try and be the best they can be. The EFL will get a lot more money. Rather than the normal 8% of the total pot they get, they'll get 25%. Now, obviously, the top clubs will make out like bandits. Your big six will get richer. But overall, I think it's a good move. I'm not against that part of it. Yes, it makes things a little bit tougher on your crystal palaces of the world. Get better. Don't just settle. 14th, 13th is not acceptable every year. Aim for 10th once in a while. Um, The EFL distribution, they would get uh, 25%, which is estimated at about 758 million. 
This will be shared on a 75, 15 and 10% basis. So 75% of the championship, 15 to League One and 10% to League Two. Um, again, I, it's more money for everybody. Nobody is losing out on this. The average championship club will get 15.5 million more than they currently are. The average League One club gets 3.5 million more than they do now. And the average League Two club gets 2.3 million more. This works for everybody. So the next part, maybe not. The next part is hard salary cap rules in the EFL. So League One and League Two, they've already implemented salary caps and those will be hard salary caps. So what it means for a lot of clubs at the moment who've got players who pre-salary cap were on bigger wages, they're not going to be able to re-sign those players. Those players are going to have to take a massive pay cut unless they're getting a move to a championship club, um, which is going to be tough. So I think that's difficult. The Premier League and Championship adopting UEFA's much stricter financial fair play rules, that's absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Because... The championship is is out of control at the moment financially. There's so many clubs having major, major financial issues that it's not sustainable. And what we often see, you know, they they have their rule about you can only spend X amount over three years outside of your, you know, you can only sorry, you can only make a loss of X amount over three years. And how a lot of clubs avoid the, the penalty for that is to get promoted, and then they'll, you know, they'll deal with the fine. Um, because they've got the Premier League money to pay for it. But I think the financial fair play rules, they've been flouted, obviously. They're not particularly great. They're not perfect, but they are better than the current rules. And I think it would help. Um, It would help the overall future of the game. Now, clubs with rich owners in the championship, they will be hamstrung a little bit by this. It will be a little bit more difficult to just buy your way into the Premier League, but maybe that helps. Maybe that makes it smarter. Maybe that makes it so that clubs have to actually have a plan. Maybe more clubs go the Brentford route, more clubs go the Brighton route, where they invest not in players, but in the recruitment of players. So they spend money to get a partnership with StatsBomb. They expand their their, their scouting. Maybe they bring in a company like Market Insights. And then they find players more cost efficiently. And that gets them around the financial fair play problems. Um, So parachute payments then will be changed. So at the moment, obviously, clubs that get relegated from the Premier League, they get a parachute payment for the first couple of years. This idea puts forward that they won't get them anymore. Um... Those would be would be phased out in twenty two twenty three, and scrapped a year later. Pretty much everybody wins in this regard, other than you know teams that get relegated that year. Um, but I think it'll make clubs again. It'll make them a bit smarter. It'll mean that we don't get clubs coming into the Premier League and going buck wild and just you know splurging one hundred and fifty million on loads and loads of bad players in the hope that those players will keep them up. Um. This is a staggering figure. In 2018-2019, the championship 
over the the entire league, when you took the revenue that those clubs are bringing in, their turnover, and compared them to the wages, the wages were 107% of the turnover. So more money was been spent on wages than was actually coming into the club. That's staggering. And that doesn't include all the other costs of running a club. It doesn't include transfer fees. This is where the Premier League needs to be changed. Um, I think that would be very, very good. I think the idea of getting rid of the parachute payments will stop clubs getting relegated and just doubling down and overspending. Because, look, we've seen that happen a couple of times, and we've seen those clubs that doesn't work for end up just falling down the pyramid. So maybe this will improve club. Uh, sorry, this will encourage clubs to be smarter, to be more balanced in their approach, to be more thoughtful in their approach. It may not, but we can only hope. Um, the media rights will be changed as well. Um, the Saturday afternoon blackout would return, but Premier League clubs would get eight live matches a season to sell abroad via their digital platforms. So Liverpool FC TV, MUFC TV or MUTV, whatever it's called, Arsenal TV, Chelsea TV, etc., etc. Clubs will be allowed to sell eight games a season. Now, I'm not really in favour of this one, I have to say. What I am in favour of, and and this kind of goes back to the pay-per-view thing as well, is I look at the music industry, and in the 90s, the music industry sort of collapsed. And then in the 2000s, like people stopped buying CDs, and everybody was just, you know, downloading stuff and changing or uh, swapping stuff. So nobody ever, like, nobody was buying music anymore. Not legally, anyway. So what was the music industry's reaction to that? Well, Spotify was. Services like that. Spotify is a massive success. It's a multi-billion dollar company now. The same thing started to happen with film, TV shows. People weren't going to the cinema. People weren't watching the TV show live on television. They were downloading these things. And football is going the same way. Now, they're pushing fans to go that way for a large part. But more and more fans are using an IPTV or just a dodgy stream. And they're watching games that way. What the Premier League could look to do, if they really wanted to, is pull all the games off Sky and BT, not renew the contracts when they come up next, not renew them anywhere, the, the, the British ones or the international ones, and put together their own TV package, their own streaming service, maybe something similar to what NBA TV is. Now, look, you could still do it with the you know, with, with Sky, with BT, and then maybe just offer this to overseas fans. But I think there's a real market here for this, where let's say, for example, if you're a, an Arsenal fan, you can pay, you have two package ideas. Number one is you can just pay for the Arsenal games. So there's going to be 38 games, 
maybe it's 150 quid a year and you just get the Arsenal games. That's less than a fiver a game. It's less than four quid a game. So 150 quid a year and you get just the Arsenal games. Or you can pay 300 quid a year and you get all the games. I'd sign up for that. Like, I know it's 25 quid a month, but I have all the games. And the Premier League then controls all their own content. And they're taking 100% of the money coming in for that. That money is theirs directly. I think that's where the Premier League should go from a TV point of view. I don't think they should be still dealing with Sky, who are questionable, BT. I think they can go their own way on this. NBA TV is a massive massive success. And yes, the NBA still has a contract with TNT and a contract with ESPN to show games, but the Premier League doesn't need to do that. They could... They could keep Sky and BT in the UK and say, right, we're not going to do the international side anymore. We're going to do this Premier League TV and wherever you are in the world, you can get your package. If you live in the UK, you can get the package as well. But if your team is shown on TV, you don't get that game. Okay, that would be fair. So say you're a Liverpool fan and you've paid your 150 quid but Liverpool are on TV 10 times. Well, tough. You lose out. Liverpool are on TV, so that game's not on this package. It would benefit some more than others. Some teams are on on TV less than others. But I, I genuinely think a Premier League TV streaming service would be a runaway success. I think you can make it more cost-efficient for fans to watch football. You don't have to have a pay-per-view service. You don't have to be paying huge amounts of money each and every month to BT, to Sky, to Now TV. You can just pay your money directly to them. Like genuinely, who has Sky for any reason other than to watch sport? You know, like, most of the TV stuff, bang average. People have Sky just to have Sky. But the reason you, you know, you get Sky Sports and all that is you don't get it to watch darts. Well, maybe you do, but you know, there's people out there that can help you if you get your Sky Sports subscription to watch the darts. But the idea of a Premier League TV package where you can just log into pltv.com and watch any game and not just watch them live but watch the replay you know i genuinely think that is something they should be looking to do when these tv deals run out because i think it is the best way for the premier league to maximize its income and to make watching football affordable for normal people 
I'm sorry, but to spend over 100 quid a month, and in many cases quite a bit more, it's just not acceptable to most people. Football's a working-class game. It's followed by working-class people, people that are suffering at the moment because of this pandemic. And every time there's an opportunity, somebody's trying to milk more money out of them on one side or the other. Uh, The next part of it then is academies, loans, and contracts. So the Premier League's current support for EFL academies delivered via the Elite Elite Player Performance Plan will be included in the much-increased solidarity payments, plus clubs below the championship will no longer be required to have academies. I don't really like the idea of clubs in the lower leagues not having academies. I think that's one of the ways they can actually stay alive is to develop players. Um, now, obviously, if they're not required to have one, it means they can still have one if they want, but I think they should be getting more funding for that. Clubs will be alone, allowed to loan out up to 15 players in total and four to a single club. Loans in will be unlimited and loanee clubs will be incentivized with contingent payments on the performances or sales of loan players. So if Arsenal were to loan Emil Smith-Rowe to Barnsley, and then sell him next summer for 15 million because he's had a great season at Barnley and someone thinks, you know what, this kid is unreal. Barnsley would then get a percentage of the sale. I think I think that's good. I think the idea of clones being allowed clubs being allowed to loan out up to 15 players, I, I think that is just going to lead to stockpiling of players. I think it's going to affect the development of players. Because look how many elite young players we see at 16 who are hyped as the next big thing who end up having like six different loans and never quite become anywhere close to uh, a top player. They, they flirt with the idea around 17, 18, and then by like 19, 20, 21, they're a championship player. And it's nothing against championship players. If you can get to play championship football, you are a brilliant footballer, but, you have to wonder how good the loan system really is, how much it actually helps these players' development, how much they buy in when they go on these loans. Fair enough, at 18, you're going to buy in because you're going to be playing football 19 the same. But if you're 22 and on your sixth loan, are you really buying in? Are you giving everything you can to be the best player you can for the club that have taken you in on loan? No, you're not, because you know you're not going to be there the next year. So... If they're going to do this thing of clubs can loan out up to 15 players and four to a single club, they need to say, right, well, if a club has a player, they can only loan them out three times. And if after those three, they have to sell them. Because it's not fair on players to have their careers just completely stalled because the Premier League club wants to keep hold of them for God knows what reason. Uh, one month loans will be allowed for under 23s, but loanies can be recalled if there's a change in manager. All contracts will be consistent with pro-Brexit rules and overseas players, blah, 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 blah. Um, Like I say, I think there's good and bad to this. I think stockpiling is bad. But all in all, you know, it will help EFL clubs because they won't have the expense of having to develop the players or buy the players. They can just loan them in. Um. It will help the Premier League clubs and it will help the elite Premier League clubs. And that's who this is really aimed at. We're not going to pretend it's not. Um, there's going to be some inf- infrastructure payments. So annual payments of 88 million 
to support the maintenance of Wembley and club stadiums and training grounds in the EFL. And that's quite good because there's a number of stadiums in the EFL that are crumbling wrecks. Wembley would get a uh, 10 million per year, which is you know substantial for the upkeep there. Championship championship clubs, two million each. League one sides, seven hundred and fifty thousand. League two, ha- half a million. Uh, on top of this, four point three percent of gross annual reven- revenue, which is forecast to be one hundred and fifty million, will be made available to clubs that have either built new infrastructure in the last decade or plan to do so. Clubs like Spurs, who've just built a new stadium, they can take advantage of something like this. I think everybody wins in this regard. I think it's important that the stadiums improve in all regards, not just the actual structure, but the facilities, the seats, the toilets, the concession stands. All of these things can improve. All in favor of that. There's no problem with any of that. Um... Grassroots and good causes, a total of $205 million per year will be shared between charities chosen by the EFL, FA and Premier League, grassroots football and the women's game. About $67 million of this is redirected money the FA has been uh, giving to clubs for their grassroots and women's game initiatives, with another $12 million in compensation to the FA for lost revenue from the League Cup if, you know, the Premier League clubs have pulled out of it, and the Community Shield. Um, this is pretty much a, a win all round. I think I, I don't see any problem with it. You know, again, I, I don't want the League Cup to be scrapped, and I, I think the Community Shield can be repurposed. Um, Premier League away tickets will be capped at twenty quid, with away travel subsidised and a minimum away allocation of three thousand fans, subject to government approval. Given the clubs. The choice to introduce safe standing, and I'm very much in favour of safe standing. I think it's a great initiative. You see it in the Bundesliga quite quite a lot, and it, it works really well. They have no problems with it. If it's done properly, there will be no problems. It's a great account on Twitter. I think it's called Safe Standing. Uh, it's well worth checking out. There's, there's no winners. Oh, there's no losers here. Everybody wins. Uh, everybody wins. 20 quid for an away ticket. That's brilliant. Uh, away travel subsidized again brilliant get fans to games works for everybody um and then there's this and this is the last one and this is the one that caused most of the arguments decisions will be made on a one club one vote one vote basis which is how things are right now with approval requiring a majority of more than two-thirds and that's how things are now however decisions relating to the election or removal of members of the Premier League board, the sale of media rights, changes to the cost control regime, and even, and this is important, even the approval of new club owners will be made by long-term shareholders using special voting rights. These shareholders will be the nine clubs with the longest continuous presence in the Premier League, and only six would have to back a resolution for it to be approved. This is what's caused the problem. Now, the long the nine long-term shareholders are Arsenal, who've been in the Premier League every year, Chelsea every year, Liverpool every year, City, not every year, but the majority of the Premier League, they had that spell where they decided to go and check out life in League One, but they quickly came back up. Uh, Manchester United every year, Everton every year, Tottenham every year, and Southampton and West Ham, who are the most recently promoted of the rest. 
Um, the fact that Villa have you know been in the Premier League more seasons than City or Southampton is just tough. You know, you went down at the wrong time. The fact that Leicester have won the league and wouldn't be considered again tough. I do not like this idea at all. This is very much and this is all the power basically going to the top six because they're only really including Everton, Southampton and West Ham for the purposes of posterity, for the purposes of saying, oh, look, we're including other clubs. Now, look, Everton are the seventh biggest club in the league and in truth, it wouldn't take a whole lot for them to get to the level that Spurs are at. They're already in the process of starting to build a new stadium or, you know, They've got a really good manager, a really good team, and if they could put together three or four years in the Champions League, which you know may not happen but could, uh, they could easily get to the level that Spurs are at, and then we do have an actual big seven. Now, this would be nine of 18, remember, not nine of 20, so it is 50%, but it is the six. It's the big six that are driving this, and I do imagine it is Liverpool and United driving it from the front. Maybe Arsenal. Maybe Arsenal in that as well. Um... And a big part of why they're driving it is so that there's no more Roman Abramoviches, there's no more uh, Sheikh Mansours. We don't get another one of those. That's why Amanda Staveley's group failed to buy Newcastle because these guys don't want anyone else coming in and joining the party. They don't want any more competition. This will also give them the opportunity to cut the league maybe even further, cut it to 16 teams. Maybe it gives them the possibility of the Premier League um, elite having time to go and compete in a European Super League as well, which is something that does appear to be on the horizon at some point. European club uh, club competitions are expanding. This World Club Cup thing is expanding. They're very, very lucrative. So the idea that Liverpool, United and, and the other clubs could take a month and just go and compete in some other competition. That's that's what they want. They want to be able to maximize their standing in the game. And if we do that, we start to lose the game. This is where the game will be gone. Now, I don't think they expect to get this. That's my thought on it. Because there's a couple of other things in what we've gone through that are a little bit questionable, a little bit controversial. And then this one's kind of like the big hammer. So for me, what I think this is, you know when you're a kid and you write out your Christmas list and you put on mostly normal things that, you know, you think your parents will get you and one or two things that you're like, oh, this is, I really want this, like a PlayStation, you know. It's not just your action man. You've got like your action man, you've got your football kit, You've got a tennis racket and then you've got a PlayStation. You're like, if I can get the PlayStation. But if you're the type that knows that your parents are going to go, right, well, if we, if we can get them everything else, bar like the big, the big present, maybe that'll be all right. So they've gone PlayStation and car. I want a car. You're six. You don't need a car. So we're going to take the car off, but we'll get you the PlayStation to make up for the crying that you didn't get your car. And that's what's happened here, I think. I don't think they expect to get these rules of governance. I think they want everything else. Now, they would probably like these rules of governance. Why wouldn't they? But I don't think they actually want this. 
I think what they want is to get everything else and maybe get a little bit of a concession on this. I think they want the 18-team league. That's what I think the PlayStation is in this group. And I think this is the car. Like I say, you're six. You're not getting a car, but you might get your 18-team league. Um, And that's that. That is the project big picture. It's not the big, scary, scary, evil, horrible thing you've been told, I don't think. Maybe you have a different opinion. Let me know on Twitter, at TwoFootedPod. Uh, can you follow on Twitter, at TwoFootedPod as well, if you if you have the time. A um, little bit of transfer news to wrap up with. Craig Dawson has made a move to West Ham uh, from Watford uh, on loan. Craig Dawson, who has been relegated in his last two Premier League seasons with West Brom and Watford, is the player that West Ham have waited all window to sign. All window. Could have signed him months ago. Madness. It looks like they've messed up a deal for Ben Rama from Brentford as well. Now, reports are that it's not down down to West Ham. But he's fallen out with Brentford. Well, if he's fallen out with Brentford, wouldn't he be more keen to leave? Wouldn't that hurry the move up? Is there another club he'd prefer to join? Is Crystal Palace the club he wants to go to? Maybe. I don't know. Possibly. Um, this is my favorite bit of transfer news for the day. Manchester United have put in place the mechanism to sign Eduardo Camavinga if Paul Pogba decides to leave Manchester United. Put in place the mechanism. What absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. They've put in place nothing. In the same way they got nothing close on Jadon Sancho because they're run by incompetent people. Um, That is me for today. That is the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support in this podcast over the last couple of months. It really is. It's massive for me, for EPL Index. Um, Tell your friends. If you can, retweet an episode on Twitter or, you know, talk about it somewhere. Tell somebody about it. Help us grow a bit of an audience here, a bit more of an audience. We've got numbers are decent, I have to say. But, uh, you know, I want more. I want more people need to hear me. That's what I'm saying. Um, Aside from that, listen, like I say, thank you very much for listening. Check out EPLindex.com. Lots of good writing there. Check out Liberty Shield because IPTV and and VPN is probably the way to go if this pay-per-view thing goes ahead. Thank you, as always, to Guy Drinkle. Thank you to Fox Haunt for our title music. I will see you tomorrow with Lee Scott. Not sure what we'll talk about yet because there was no games the weekend. But if you have anything in mind, again, hit me up on Twitter at TwoFootedPod. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.